So guys, I'm really excited tonight because we get to carry on our series we've been doing with Luke and we're jumping into chapter 5 again. For those of you guys who got notes or whatever we're just doing, um, the message is called Spoken to the Heart. And we're going to have a lot of fun tonight, hopefully. We'll talk about a few interesting inventions that the ancient world had never really seen before. And we have a good time. So before I start, I'd just like to pray so I can get into the Word, eh? So anyway, Father, thank you so much that you love us. Thank you for this powerful worship as we've got to honour you for everything you've done, Lord. And thank you that you forgive us for our sins no matter what we've done. So I pray, Holy Spirit, as we read your scriptures, we get to know you more dearly and we get to love you so much more, Lord, because of what we see, that as we see your nature, Jesus, and we learn to whenever, wherever, be like Jesus. Awesome. Amen. Awesome. So guys, tonight, just to get a bit of context for where we're going, we have to understand that sometimes we can look at the Bible and it feels like really confusing. And you're like, oh, that seems like really old. So I've kind of put it into something. This is the situation these guys face. They face this lovely thing called a crowd. I don't know if you guys ever experienced one. I don't know, maybe. Like, I know I personally have. If you've been in traffic, there'd be a queue or something like that. This is what these guys have experienced. And from being in a queue or a crowd, I know there's a couple of options that we can kind of take. And it's interesting to see what these guys have done. So looking at it, there's the one option of this thing. You go here and um, it requires this thing I like to call patience. I don't know if you guys heard of that. Like I really, very have it. I, don't, I sometimes show it. But because that's not really my style... There's some other options I've kind of put together for us. So there's the one I like to call the scream and push. And that's where you obviously you start screaming and pushing, except the problem is looking at my physique. Clearly, that's not an option for me. So like, I look at it, so even though it sounds great, I just can't do it, right? So we looked at this other one of, we like to call the run it straight. Because at least that way they're either going to part like the Red Sea or get squashed. <laughs> Really bad, like the charging bull, it's really awesome. Except these guys in the Bible, for some reason, they don't do that one. I don't understand why. Seems quite efficient. And maybe they didn't have the physique. Except these guys are carrying this dude on like a mat. So obviously it's a little bit hard to run it straight or scream and push. Especially when Jesus is inside the building trying to do a sermon, right? So these guys opt for the logical option of just going through the roof. <laughs> so of course, I don't know if you guys have ever related to that. I've never tried it. Maybe it'll be awesome if you do that. Next time I go to the States and waiting in a long queue, you can just jump through the roof and skip all the security. It'll be fine, I'm sure. But anyway, guys, tonight, this is what we're looking at. This guy in the story, which my Bible titles as Jesus Heals a Paralytic. This is where it starts. And these guys go through the roof. And so we're going to start here, and all we're going to do is just going to kind of look at the Scripture, see what it kind of is saying to us, and have a bit of fun, eh? So anyway, this is where it starts. You guys, if you want to turn your Bibles there, you're welcome to. Otherwise, I've got it up on the screen. I don't mind either way, as long as we're all following along. So it says, One day, while Jesus was teaching, some Pharisees and teachers of religious law were sitting nearby. It seemed that these men showed up from every village in all Galilee and Judea, as well as from Jerusalem. And the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. Okay, we're going to hit a little bit of a comma here to get ourselves in the context of this, right? These Pharisees, guys, they're an interesting bunch, especially in um, Israel at this time, or Judea, as it's called. Because the Pharisees are kind of like the celebrities of the time back in the day in Israel, because they were the guys who knew everything about God, apparently, and, do it, and they'd kind of run the whole show with your relationship with God, right? If you wanted to sacrifice and get your sins forgiven, you had to go to the temple in Jerusalem when these guys would approve it and do it all for you. So these guys, it's a bit interesting. 
that the Pharisees come from all the way from Jerusalem, as Pastor Simon shared, is 140 kilometers away from where these guys are, which, by the way, that isn't, I don't know, like, I get frustrated a 3K walk, let alone 140Ks, like these guys would have had to face. And for some reason, they're here to hear this random carpenter's son called Yeshua, or Jesus, right? It just seems a bit strange. And especially in Luke's gospel, right? This is the first time we ever encounter the Pharisees that's been written down. And the reason why I'd, I'd like to suggest to you guys is because of this term called Messiah. So Messiah was a very um, loaded term back in the day, especially in this time, because what it is, is the Messiah was prophesied all through the Old Testament and it's all about seeing Jesus, or like these guys didn't realize it's Jesus yet at the time, but it was about this, um, the Messiah was going to go and save all of Israel and set them free from all their sin and bondage. It was amazing, except all these political ideas had started kind of infiltrated this idea. So it now comes that these guys thought that the Messiah was going to overthrow the whole entire Roman Empire. It'd be awesome that um, the Jews would finally have their own kingdom once again. Except as we kind of know, Jesus isn't exactly like that. But what these religious leaders are trying to do is scoping out this dude, checking him out. Oh, yeah. He starts healing people, starts preaching the gospel or something like this, all these weird things. Maybe he's a prophet. We don't know. We're going to go. We're like, Maybe we could write a whole book at him, add it to the Old Testament. We have to go and check this follower out. And that's what these guys are kind of doing. They're scoping Jesus out to understand what exactly he's doing there. And we can assume there's a fair bit of Pharisees because if they're coming from Jerusalem and Galilee, let's just say this house that they're in, it's fair to say it's packed. Like they've got a lot of people here. And of course, these guys who are coming, we'll find out later in the story, aren't exactly going to try and push past and run it straight at the celebrities to get to Jesus. That doesn't exactly give them a good look in the standing, especially with the honor and shame culture that they had over there. You would honor people. So this is the kind of thing we see with the Pharisees. And Jesus, it reveals that like, the Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus and that's really important because it reveals a part of Jesus' nature that we'll continually see through Luke's gospel, that Jesus comes to restore. This is Jesus' heart. He would come. And this is what we kind of look at as we carry on. So some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. They tried to take him inside to Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So they went up to the roof and took off some tiles. Then they lowered the sick man on his mat down into the crowd right in front of Jesus. This is a strange situation. I don't know. I've never really had that. Where I've been, imagine if I'm speaking here, you just start seeing dust fall down in the middle. And so like, someone just slowly gets lowered. And I was like, hey, Kathan, can you pray for him? Like, that's like, like, it'd be real weird. It's a weird experience for these guys. And like, yes, we know that Israelite houses are more likely to be like um, flat roofed. So it made sense that they at least could get up there with a paralyzed man. Often they'd have like a ladder or a stairs on the side, which they could climb up with. But it's weird shoving a guy that's your friend through someone's roof during a sermon. It just it seems a bit strange to me. And like, for these guys, it reminds me of this time and in this book that mum and dad have, which are all these quotes of um, me and my siblings when we were little, right? And it reminds me of this time where mum had explained to me, unfortunately, we'd run out of milk and I had to have um, toast for breakfast and I was real gutted at two years old. I was real disappointed. So after thinking for an ages, I just go, mum, I've got this great idea. We just need a cow. 
<laughs> and there was this honest, and, I, and I'm thinking, God, this is a great idea. Except it's like, you know, it's one of those things that, yeah, this works, but no. <laughs> okay, then, like, and it's like, yeah, she had to tell me that. But these guys, so imagine, instead of just waiting outside for Jesus, which he would eventually come out someday, he's not going to stay in there the whole time. They go, yeah, let's just go through the roof. And I love how the Bible politically um, just doesn't involve what the homeowner thinks in the story. It's just not in this one, never mentioned. I don't know exactly why. But here we've got these friends who obviously are really passionate about seeing their friend get to Jesus. They obviously have this belief that actually it's worth it if you're going to tear someone's roof apart to do it. So let's go and see what Jesus' response is to these guys. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, young man, your sins are forgiven. What? <laughs> Interesting way. So you've just had this roof hole being made. And by the way, that's the um, ancient world's first ever skylight, if you're wondering. That's where it comes in. This is where it first ever originated. And it wasn't actually pretty small because you can't just drop a guy straight in, especially because he's paralyzed. He can't put his hands out to stop him falling. So they had to make this six-foot kind of hole-ish, we're guessing, because we know the average height's probably around, I believe, I think it was 5'4", five, 5'2". Five, it was pretty short, actually, back in the day. So I was making this six-foot hole so you could lower this guy perfectly in, right? And Jesus' response to that, while getting interrupted, is like, after seeing their faith, he just goes, friend, your sins are forgiven. That's what it says in the NIV. In Mark's gospel, it says, son, your sins are forgiven. It seems so strange to me in this situation because you're going like, wait a minute, this isn't even the paralyzed man's faith. This is his friend's faith that's going on here. It's kind of strange. And I love what um, Pastor Simon Moitara shared this morning, and I wanted to repeat it to you. If he talked about like how this is a real good um, like picture of what it's like of how we actually get saved with Jesus and we get in a personal relationship with Him. Our Western thought and individualized society would suggest that we're like, I chose Jesus, look, now I'm in a relationship. But we're forgetting about the other people that were on the way. Like that one person who was really intercessing and praying for you, from the church. And the, um, your mum who was really going, Jesus, I pray that he has a radical encounter with your love. And also this person here holding the other corner of this um, blanket as they go and walk you in, right? Of going, who was just this friend who was asked from church to go and pray for this person. And also that one Christian friend at school is praying for their school. You know, all these guys come together and actually take this guy. And it's because of their faith that this guy's sins were forgiven because they got actually taken to Jesus. Because most people would have given up. So if you're in that situation and you're actually praying for someone who doesn't know God, don't be discouraged. It's okay. Keep on going. You just need one more person to hold a corner and we know what God can do. It's amazing. But I also love what Tim shared at North Campus, which is really awesome as well. In the same situation, he sees it as a real good example of what the church is supposed to do when we are down. Because sometimes we have hard times and it just sucks. And sometimes it's really hard to come to Jesus and actually spend time. But we have those friends as a community. We get around together and try and support people as much as possible and go, hey, I'm there for you. I'll pick up a corner and we're going to help you get to Jesus. So hey, Tim shared this beautiful picture of how actually we get to go and support each other in the hard times as a church community. We pick up a corner of the mat to get to Jesus so we can go and he sorts out our situation and restores it. It's powerful, man. That's what we see. Except the story doesn't even stop here. We go and see kind of what next happens. 
But the Pharisees and teachers of religious law said to themselves, who does he think he is? That's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew what they were thinking, so he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Oh, snap, that sucks for the Pharisees. They got called out hard. <laughs> like, that's embarrassing. Like, like, oh, there's so many times where we think things and imagine what happens if people could hear your thoughts. Oh, that's dangerous. <laughs> like, and Jesus straight up goes and calls them out and he goes like, okay, you're kind of doubting me here because, okay, it makes sense. Anyone can say like, Ashley, your sins are forgiven. You know, you can be like, cool, that doesn't actually mean anything unless we know I have the authority to do that, right? So Jesus goes... <laughs> I'll show you guys. I just go and heal this paralyzed man. And this is what happens. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat and go home. And immediately, as everyone watched, the man jumped up, picked up his mat and went home praising God. Everyone was gripped with great wonder and awe and they praised God, exclaiming, We have seen amazing things today. How crazy is that? A paralyzed man. <laughs> and this guy gets fully healed immediately. Like Jesus is going like, it's not even like Jesus saw him and he goes, oh, I've got to pray. He just goes, get up and walk and get out. <laughs> that kind of thing. To go home. It's an amazing miracle. Like, I love healing. I absolutely love healing. But I don't see that often. That's weird. You don't just see someone go like, healed. But a thing that caught me so hard is seeing this. It would be a shame to see the healing as the main point. I have a passion for healing. I want to see people healed all the time. But the problem with healing is, even if you are healed, you will eventually die. It's a short-term fix. And even though Jesus just goes and sees this guy, who, as he's going, getting lifted right in front of him, right? This guy is in class, end of going, Jesus, I just need you. And Jesus goes and sees the heart issue and just brings it in there. And goes, son, your sins are forgiven. He didn't ask for that. He didn't come. Even the friends who had the faith to go and shove this guy through a roof didn't think of that. But there's the thing, this Jesus is so powerful. And if we look, and even the title of the story, you know, Jesus heals the paralytic. Yes, that's the thing. But if we just see it as someone who's paralyzed, has been healed, we've missed something, man. We see the power of our sins being forgiven. Like we don't even know what this guy has done. Maybe he is a nice guy. But in this time especially, they actually saw if you were paralyzed, they used to blame it on either your parents' sin or yourself's sin. And be like, look at this guy's sin. And they go, and he has the nerve to forgive his sins. Jesus loved this guy. And like, man, he can see past with what we want. But I feel like so often we don't let him speak to our heart. We just go and start sharing and talking to Jesus and going, oh, this is what I want to talk about. We'll go there and he can talk about this. But this area, oh, no, that's not yours, Jesus. I'm not going to talk about what you want to talk about. We have to talk about what I'm comfortable with. But Jesus sees things we don't. He knows more about us than ourselves and loves us so much. 
And that's why I love communion. It's always a good reminder of going like, wait, he forgave my sins? Like, what would happen if we just spent time in his presence and just allowed him to speak to our heart? See what happened? Because the thing is, this is what Jesus is all about. Dying on the cross because he loves us so we can be in a personal relationship with him. What a shame to see it only as an awesome healing. And I love it like a healing just as a sign is just so crazy. <laughs> and it's so powerful to see like actually, man, Jesus will go and pass. Like he didn't ask for this at all. He pushes past all of that and speaks directly to the issue, even for the Pharisees. The Pharisees didn't ask him his opinion or what, he, what they thought of his, um, what he said about healing the thing. He just goes, why do you guys say this in your hearts? Well, I know in the translation I showed you, it says they said to themselves. And um, the NIV, it says they, they were thinking to themselves and talking about it. So it's suggested that these guys didn't actually say it out loud, really, in the situation. I'd like to invite the um, worship team back up. That'd be awesome as we carry on. Because I want to give us all op- an opportunity now to actually let Jesus speak to our hearts. Because it's just so vital. How can you have a personal relationship with someone you can't even talk to? Well, we're pretty useless with the people we actually can talk to <laughs> anyway. It's powerful, man. This forgiving of sins. And like, I get scared sometimes, you know, like Psalm 139, that he searched me and knows me, but still forgave our sins. And at the same time as we sung Psalm 23 um, today, I mean tonight, it was really powerful. Except we have to realize the starting the song, you know, he's our good shepherd, right? Well, shepherd, I don't know if you guys know, but shepherds don't put sheep on a leash. Shepherds guide them from a distance, from a staff, still close by. And when we get off to the side and off track, the shepherd goes and picks us up, brings us back to the flock. And that's the picture we have with God. This is the thing we get to know that Jesus will come and speak to our heart, forgive our sins. And so for those of you who haven't had that time to go and chill with God, here's an awesome opportunity because it's just this easy of going, hey, Lord, I surrender. I just want to spend, what do you want to talk to me about? But I also want to give people an opportunity to give their life to Jesus tonight if they've never had their sins been forgiven for them because, man, it sets you free. Like for me, I was brought up in church my whole life and didn't want a bar of it. I don't want to know. I don't know. Because the thing is, like, I, was, I just knew that if everything that happened was actually real, then I'd have to give my life to him. Not out of obligation, but because I'd, I'd have to love him so much out of, like, just joy. It's too good to be true. I couldn't. And then finally he encountered me and I realized, actually, our biggest struggle is not actually going and just going, yeah, yeah, I accept um, the gospel and I'll try and do right. Our biggest struggle is actually just believing the gospel is true and living it out. And we can play church games and say, like Judas Smith says, we can go and try and be a nice person and live with kindness and honour. And that is awesome. But that doesn't forgive your sins. You can go and live in a way that tries to reverse all the effects of your sin, start reconciling those relationships, which, hey, that is an awesome way to live your life. 
Please do that. Reconcile those relationships. Clean up our mess as best as we can. But that still doesn't forgive our sins. Only Jesus, from His sacrifice on the cross, where He absorbed the punishment for our sin and took all of that, that forgives our sins. But He didn't only just die for our sins. He actually was resurrected. And I believe that is the critical part of our faith for the Christian faith. Because that means we're not just forgiven for our sins, we now have power over it. 